All right. Well, let, uh, let me let you guys introduce yourselves first to everyone. Uh, just kind of tell us a little something about yourself, maybe the ministry you work at, work in, and um, yeah, your family. And stuff. So, Daniel? Sure. My name is Daniel Schumann. Um, I, uh, I'm an ordained pastor and uh, served in ministry in, here in Albuquerque for many years. And then a few years ago, went out to uh, the Southern Baptist Theological Seminary in Louisville, Kentucky, and uh, got my master's degree in biblical counseling. And we were graciously invited back by uh, Pastor Dave to come and uh, open up a biblical counseling practice. Uh, we share offices with, with Mars Hill and serve um, the biblical counseling needs of, of people throughout New Mexico and even in other states uh, using Skype and counseling people on the East Coast and the West Coast and stuff like that. Uh, married to my wonderful wife, Sonia, who is a native of Albuquerque. And uh, we've been married uh, almost eight years, and we have a beautiful little daughter, Isabella, who's nine months old. I'm Tim Bradley. I'm one of the pastors here at Desert Springs Church. Uh, staff pastor, which means this is what I do for my vocation. I oversee the biblical counseling ministry here at Desert Springs, as well as children and family ministry, primarily focused on the elementary age children but family ministry, parenting, and, and marriage, and, and things of that such. Uh, I was born and raised here in Albuquerque. Met my wife in Las Cruces. She's native of Las Cruces. We are just about ready to celebrate our 15th year of marriage. Her name is Marcy. And we have four children. My oldest son, Cade. And next, my daughter, Addison. And my son, Quinn, who just turned three. And then I have a one-and-a-half-year-old, Tate. Uh, we serve this body and, and love it, have been served by this body for many, many years, and have been blessed uh, through the ministry of Christ here at Desert Springs, and we love what we do here. My name is Dave. I think we met today. Got uh, My wife, Karen, I've been married uh, 21 years. Uh, this December, uh, our oldest daughter, Lisa, is 20, and... Our kids are uh, four of the daughters, eight, uh, 17, this is great, I'm doing really well, 17, 15, and 12, and so it's just good to be with men today. I enjoy, I love them, <laughs> I love them, and, and uh, one of the things, I, I just real quickly, as, as a primarily a teaching pastor, preaching pastor, and I'm sure Ryan and, and Michael feel the same way, uh, we just love these guys. They, they, uh, it's a really unique gift God has given these men to, to work people through biblical counseling, and so we just appreciate both of you. And, your ministry so much, and these are the guys who can think through issues that you're going through through the gospel, and so really appreciate you guys. Well, uh, i got a few questions here to ask, and then maybe what, we might open it up um, to open questions, just depending on time. Um, just really quick, I can, I can, you know, in my own heart, as you were talking, Dave, this morning, both really both sessions, um, a little light bulb and heartbreaking of my sin was going on at the same time, but um, so I'm, I'm guessing it happened for a lot of you guys as well. Um, what resources out there, can, can um, good resources can you guys recommend for guys to further to start thinking about and processing uh, how to, what it means to be this biblical husband, what it means to um, be a man that leads, that sacrifices, that cares, that serves, um, and follows Christ? Uh, do you guys have any good recommendations these men can maybe out you know during lunch even go and 
you know, Amazon or go to the resource center or something. Um, yeah, so, Daniel? Yeah, there, there's, as far as uh, biblical counsel on being a godly husband, there's two resources I highly recommend. Uh, obviously, the Bible is the number one resource. Um, but the, I think these two authors and these two books exposit the scripture well to help you understand how to apply it in a God-glorifying way. The first is a book called The Exemplary Husband, which was written by Dr. Stuart Scott. He uh, was one of, he was my professor and mentor at seminary. Uh, this book, um, I think when you're looking at Christian books, one of the things to look for is how much scripture is the book actually using? And not just giving references, but actually even writing out the scripture. <laughs> this book is inundated with scripture. I feel like this book, um, as I read this book, I feel like I wish I would have had this um, like during my premarital classes. <laughs> I wish I would have had this book eight years ago. Because he lays out um, not only um, practical information about being a godly husband, he lays out... Uh, as Dave has mentioned here, our biggest problem as believers is not a behavioral problem. It's a worship problem. We, we don't behave our way into sin, whether it's you know pornography or, or abusing substances. We worship our way into those things because we love something more than God and his glory. We love something more than Christ and the gospel. And Dr. Stuart Scott does such a great job of exposing that, but not only exposing it, but showing you the hope and the cure in the gospel to overcome these, what the Bible would call the idols of the heart. So that book is one I'd highly recommend. The second I would recommend is by another biblical counselor, and it's called The Complete Husband. And that one's written by Lou Priolo. That's an Italian last name, and that's spelled P-R-I-O-L-O, Priolo. And, and what I love is he takes kind of the similar concepts that Dr. Scott's talking about, and then kind of takes the heart level of it or the, the, the application of it. He gives some of the best applications at the end of each chapter of discussion questions, ask your wife. Um, I heard of something, a, a, a great thing the other day where someone said, if you ask shallow questions, you're going to get shallow answers. If you ask profound questions, you're going to get profound answers. If you don't ask any questions at all, you're not going to get any answers. And especially in interaction with our spouses, with our wives, if we're not asking questions, we're not going to learn much about them if we're not asking profound questions. Just an example of the questions he asked. He says you should ask your wife. One was, at the end of the chapter, was, how would you rate our marriage from 1 to 10? What would it take to make it a tent? Uh, how could I serve you better spiritually? How could I love you more like Christ? And he just gives stuff like that at the end of each chapter that's just so profound to build intimacy, a God-glorifying relationship with your wife. So those are two resources I would recommend. Those are great resources. And I'll actually uh, pull resources that you guys recommend if I have them out of my office. And we'll put them out here at the Welcome Center so that you guys can peruse those books and, and look at them. Uh, you know, the, the first book that I would recommend, uh, beyond what Daniel just recommended, and obviously the scripture, is not explicitly a, a marriage book. It's a book on the gospel. Because that's what will transform our marriages. And so it's a book uh, written by a man named Milton Vincent. And it's a gospel primer for Christians learning to see the glories of God's love. 
And this has profoundly impacted my life and many who I've worked with in biblical counseling in their marriages. To start there with your own hearts before God and meditate in the gospel. To let the gospel simultaneously humble you and break you and lift you up as you see the glory and majesty of Christ and what the Father has done for you. And so he's laid out this book with these little sections. And within the book, he has the entire scripture content. So wherever he has little footnotes in this paragraph or two that he writes on a particular segment or or portion of the gospel, then he's got the full biblical text there as well. And within five minutes each day, you can just read this little section in the accompanying scripture and you can soak in the glory of God's love for you in Christ. And I would say that that's the starting point in all of life and in our marriages and in our relationships. So that would be one. Now, Stuart Scott's book is a, a long book. And as Daniel said, it is chock full of scripture. So as you work through that, sometimes you, you might think that that's life you're like me, that that's a little bit overwhelming. There's a lot to go through and a lot to process and a lot to work on. But there's a booklet called How a Man Can Lead His Family, A Starter's Guide for a Man Leading His Family. And I recommend that booklet to you guys. In fact, uh, the title, uh, the man's name slips me. Let's uh, start. Um, Crutz. It's called Mighty Men, A Starter's Guide to Leading Your Family. And it's a booklet. It's doable, and it begins to help you think about what it means to lead in your family, how to assess yourself, how to assess your own heart, and how to begin to lead with your wife and with your kids. That's another book that I would recommend. I would say one that, that I would recommend, too, and what these guys have said, especially, especially if you guys are struggling to connect with your wife at a heart level and a lot of times that shows up in the bedroom, is one by uh, C.J. Mahaney called Sex, Romance, and the Glory of God. Yeah. Um, and, and dads, I would even encourage you to take that one and, and, and read it with your sons a little bit. I, I think one of the greatest challenges we have is that our culture gives us a, a pornified, a pornographic view of sex where women are always able and willing and want to do everything and, and it just leads to huge problems in marriage. And, and so men a lot of times will pursue their wife physically without pursuing her heart. And I think that's one of the, it's a real short read. You could cover it easily. So again, dads, I'd really recommend you go over that with your sons and, and help them understand just the differences between how men and women look at this issue of, of sex and romance and relationship. I think it's extremely helpful. Sex, romance, and the glory of God. C.J. Mahini, I know Pastor Ryan knows C.J. I don't know him as well. He's got one of the strongest marriages that I've ever seen now. And so I love to read guys that are practitioners of the stuff they write. Quick read. It's a real easy read. Yeah, that Your Mars Hill guys we got in our bookstore, so you can get it up tomorrow if you want. Yeah, we have that one available at the Resource Center. Uh, that book is here. Um, those are really good. Um, kind of touching on what you said, Dave, there. Um, just this battle of sin, just indwelling sin, and the worship problem we have. Um, one way it manifests itself, really, is through lust, through the battle, um, really, you know, pornography, and not necessarily even just 
the X-rated pornography, but even what's on regular TV or whatnot. Um, you know, it's it's so pervasive. Just what Darren Patrick said: three thousand dollars a second is being spent on it. Um, and we would be really naive not to think a majority of guys in here um, don't struggle and um, with it and lust in my own heart. I think. What do you? What advice do you guys have to young men or older men or men in general that come in and uh, to your offices and say, "I just, I can't beat this. I, 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 I've tried. I've tried the software or whatever. I just, I can't." Uh, let's start with Tim this time. Yeah, the, the first response that I would have to the statement, "I can't beat this," is, "Amen. You can't beat this. Christ in you." can defeat this. Josh Harris, in a a book called Sex is Not the Problem, Lust is, talks about this subject. When we look to ourselves as the resource for defeating lust, we're defeated before we start. We cannot defeat our sin. We are dependent upon Christ, not just as Dave said, for that get-out-of-hell-free card. Not just for justifying us, but for saving us from sin in its totality. So Christ is the one who saves us. And when we battle lust, many times we're trying to figure out all the things that we can do. We don't see that the issue is an issue of the heart. We see it as the issue of maybe the internet or the person I work with rather than a much more profound problem, a problem of the heart that we cannot fix, that we need a savior to fix. And so we start with ourselves trying to address this problem rather than starting with Christ. The problem we have is much deeper and much more profound than we can deal with on our own. So when you say, I can't defeat this, I say, amen, that's right. Now let's talk about Christ. Let's talk about the one who can defeat this in your life. Yeah, I absolutely agree with Tim. And, you know, I think another issue there is really um, a failure to believe that Christ is really pleasurable, that Christ is really enjoyable, that not not only pleasurable, but that he is the supreme pleasure in all the universe. Um, I remember when I first came to realization with that, it actually... uh, um, a resource that God used to speak into my life with someone who I believe came and spoke here at Desert Springs this year was a book by Sam Storms called Pleasures Evermore. And he said that in, in the opening chapter, and you can even download that chapter for free online at, at the Navigator's website, but he said that the problem with us as Christians is not a, a, a problem of knowing what is sin and what's not, but it, it's asking the question, why do we sin? And if we're really honest with ourselves, um, the reason we sin is because it's pleasurable. Uh, in, in Hebrews 11, it talks about Moses was willing to not be, be the son of Pharaoh and enjoy the passing pleasures of sin. Rather, he chose to be mistreated with the people of God and to gain a greater treasure in Christ. And uh, Psalm 1611, one of my favorite verses in Scripture, says that in your presence, O Lord, is fullness of joy, and at your right hand are pleasures forevermore. And I remember looking at that passage saying, well, the scriptures say it, so it must be true. 
So God, I believe, but help my unbelief. I remember just starting at the lowest level and saying, God, help me to believe you are the greatest pleasure of all. Stir my affection so that I really will experience my greatest pleasure in you today. And I started praying that about every day for the last five years. God, help me to believe you're the greatest pleasure of all. Help me to experience my greatest pleasure in you today. And I can tell you that God has really been answering that prayer uh, throughout my life, I haven't arrived, and I, I have a hunch that even when we've been in heaven 10,000 years, we won't have arrived at that, because as Christ reveals more of his glory to us, our pleasure is going to be ever-increasing. But I encourage you to, to start there at the, at the level of your worship in your heart and saying, God, I, help me to believe that you are far more pleasurable than sex. Even sex and marriage, God, you're more pleasurable. God, you're, you're far more, definitely more pleasurable than, than, than sexual immorality and fornication. So your word says earlier in Psalm 16 that those who pursue other gods are sorrows and multiplied. God, help me to see that this really isn't bringing me joy. It's really actually multiplying my sorrows. Help me to really believe living for your, you and your glory is far more pleasurable than anything else. Well, there's a considerable amount that heard... Dave, your message uh, about, um, and you even addressed a little bit about marriage and loving your wife, and I'm sure there's a few single guys in here saying, amen, and your exhortation to them to go get married, and they're like, amen, but it's just not happening, and um, what, 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 do you, what would you say to, to these men that are saying, I want to be married, I want to be married, you're, you're right, I want a family, I want, I want that, but it's just... God's just not giving it right now. Yeah. I think, uh, I think the big fear guys have that are single is, oh, no, do I have the, the dreaded gift of celibacy, you know? Um, <laughs> I, I, I mean, really, it's like I have to ask them, like, is this what you're asking me? And I would say that I would look at that issue first in the realm of what a spiritual gift is, what a calling is. I have met uh, very few men, but I have met some men who have a healthy disinterest I mean, a healthy disinterest, not an unhealthy disinterest, but a healthy disinterest in romance and sex. And, and so if that's not you, then I'm guessing that the Lord has someone for you. So I would tell you to, um, one, prepare. Prepare. Serve and, and be a part of the church. And, again, get the things in your life in order so that you can provide someday. And keep yourselves pure. Um, again, all through the grace of Jesus. Then look around again. I think... Uh, some single men I meet are super idealistic that um, the scale has to be this, this, and that. And oftentimes uh, she's not. I, w- I would tell some of you guys, and this is, this is, this is I, I don't want to speak on behalf of Desert Springs or uh, Trinity in any way. I would say to our young guys at Mars Hill, don't be in a hurry to overlook single moms. I think some of you look at that and that destroys your idealism of who a woman should be, and the idea of having a kid and all that, but um, in Marcia, we have some wonderful single moms who, uh, who are walking closely with Jesus and need men in their lives and never been married, and I think there's some freedom there, so I would tell you that, that um, pursue the Lord first, serve, it, serve in his church, and trust him to bring the woman when it's his time. We'll do one more, and then maybe we'll open it up just for a couple of questions. Um, 
I can see, I can, I can see some men in here maybe thinking to themselves, well, okay, I haven't been a spiritual leader in my house, and I do need to repent. I need to turn from that. Um, you know, especially with the stat of 60% of churchgoers and people involved in churches are women. Uh, that, that number usually lets you think that the men, like Darren said, are playing video games or um, obsessed with football on Sundays or whatever. Um, I guess my question would be, they want to go home tonight and they want to repent and start being the leader God's called them to be. What would be, what would that look like for some of these guys that you would counsel them with? Where, you know, it's not open up the door and you say, honey, I'm home and now I'm leading. But how does that look? Like I hear some guys going, okay, I want to do this. Amen. I don't know how. Um, Daniel? Um, Definitely, I think the first aspect is, like you said, coming home and being humble and repenting, being honest about your, your failure in doing that, um, and saying, you know, I, I want to lead better. Um, I, I think you could ask, or say, you know, if, especially if your wife is a Christian, you know, what are some ways that, I, that you would like to see me uh, lead more spiritually? Um, I, I'm surprised at how many people I counsel, how many couples who don't pray together. Um, men, take the lead in this. Um, you know, and I'm talking, I mean, at the, <laughs> the very least, please be leading your family in prayer at mealtime at the very lowest level. But, but above that, you know, even at the end of the day, praying with your wife as you'll, and praying with your children. Um, but make any time available during the week, um, maybe a couple days a week where you can have more concentrated time and say, honey, tell me what the things are that you would like prayer for. What are the things you're struggling with? And then pray with her and for her right there. And, and hopefully she'll ask you as well, you know, honey, what are the things that you need prayer for? But, but take the initiation and leading in that, and especially single guys. Um, you know, one of the things my wife says that she really appreciated is that when we were dating, I opened and closed every date in prayer. I was like, God, you know, help our time that we spend here to be glorifying you, that we would know you better as a result of this time. And it really helped, um, you know, she's attractive, she's beautiful, and it kept me in check, you know, that I want to honor her, uh, glorify you, God. Um, I would say not only, um, and and then uh, making time, you know, understand if you'll have busy schedules at least one day a week that y'all can, read the word together as a family and think through uh, a passage there and discuss it and pray together. I'd also say lead spiritually by doing things. Worship the Lord and love your wife well by sacrificing, by helping out with the dishes and with the kids and changing the diapers and those things. That's being a spiritual leader as well and the practical day-to-day life, showing her Christ uh, in action sacrificially. Yeah, all great, Daniel. Thanks. Uh, I think humility has got to be the first step. A broken and contrite heart before the Lord and then before the ones in whom you have sinned against. So your spouse and your children and a confession of sin and a real acknowledgement to them that you have failed in this and a seeking of their forgiveness. Don't go making excuses. Humble yourself. For them. Trust that God is faithful 
to give grace to the humble and to lift us up. So you start there. I think for a lot of us, in a practical way, we get overwhelmed by the sheer magnitude of this task. So start small. I'm constantly saying to men who I counsel with, don't think you have to prepare a sermon for seven days a week. Start small. Dave said earlier, spirit and word. Read the Bible with your wife and with your kids and pray. You can do that in five minutes. Read a psalm and pray. And trust that as we begin to do that, God will grow that. Start small. Don't feel like I've got to plan everything out. Be faithful in a little. Begin to get the word into your life and their life and pray with them. That would be another practical way, I'd say, to start. Totally agree with these guys. That's great counsel. I would do that practically. I'd go home tonight and uh, clear your schedule. Take your wife by the hand and just say, I'm sorry. I'm really sorry. And again, I think if you walk through the door like Lowe suggested, so don't do that, Lowe. And say, I'm, you follow now. Um, take responsibility for your own stuff. Uh, some of you have so uh, abdicated this role for so long. It's going to take your wife time to adjust to the new you. And she's going to want to pull back some of that leadership that you want to leave. But just start. Start humbly. And so I would tell you guys, our, our Marceau guys that are here today, here's the simplest way you can do it. Grab your weekly that you'll get when you come to the door. There will be community group questions on it based on the sermon that's preached. Uh, be the guy who leads his family to church. Be enthusiastic when you worship. And let that be the centerpiece of your conversation sometime this week. Let's talk about the Bible. In other words, let the men who are gifted in teaching the Bible <laughs> teach the Bible. Um, we're not asking you necessarily to do that. What we're asking you to do is lead your family in repentance, lead your family in response to the gospel. And so that's a real simple way to do it. If, you, if your kids are in um, kids' programs, and I'm not sure how it works at Desert Springs or Trinity, pop in a few minutes early and ask the teacher, what are you covering today? You know, what, what, what are my kids going to learn today? And great, most of them will have something they'll come home with, you know, with coloring on it, and, and you can do that. But, but it's, it's basically taking the truth of the Bible and living it out in front of your family. It's not going out and getting a theology degree and being an expert and answering questions like this. It's, it's real simple. And, uh, but I would, st- I would totally start with your wife and say, I'm, would you forgive me? Would you pray for me? Would you support me as, as I now become the pastor of this family? If you, need to, if you need to recruit some brothers too to help you do it, find a guy who does it and go follow him. It's that simple. Find a guy you respect in your church who's already doing it and say, can we bring our family over for dinner and watch what you do during devotionals? It's, it really is. It's, it's easily caught. And there will be men in this room, I promise you, some of our, our more mature men who will be more than happy to show you this is what we did. And let me, let me walk you through it. So we've got a couple, uh, time for a couple questions. Here's what we're going to do. We don't have a mic, so you have to speak up. Um, try to compress your question. Uh, so, and um, I will repeat the question just for the recording's sake. So I need your hand up quick. My name is Craig Allender. I, I gave my life to Christ here a while back, and I served Christ under Mike Kelshaw's leadership, uh, Trinity at the Marketplace. And I'm on my second marriage uh, to a wonderful woman who actually brought me to Christ. I've given my life to God, and she brought me to Christ. When we first started talking about getting married, she told me 
that she wanted me to take this role. And at that point, I can honestly say, she made me holy, because she scared the hell out of me. <laughs> what? I know, I know, there's got to be. My goodness, look at all these people. There's got to be here, people here. Well, that's one of the problems I used to have. What do you do if you want this for your family? In your heart, you want to be the best husband you can be. You want to give yourself. You want to serve God. But the wife has other things in mind. She is worshiping other things. And alcohol, pornography. And you strive to bring this to her. Even so far as, let's say, driving her to go into uh, alcohol rehab. And in two days, she walks out. How do we deal with that? The Bible, you know, God's word says, you know, with adultery, you can, you can get a divorce. You can say, this has happened also. But we're still coming down on ourselves and saying, we have to make this thing work because we're the man. And she refuses to accept anything. What do we do with that? And how do we deal with it? And how? You know, what do we do afterwards? Um, so the question was, how as a husband do you lead when your wife maybe doesn't, doesn't follow and is um, broken and dealing with her own sin, and either idolatry or um, whatnot, uh, substance abuse? How do you lead in those times when maybe it feels like bro- the marriage is just totally broken? Um, so I'm not sure what to take, take that first. Boy, that's a, I know there's much more uh, going on behind the scenes in your question expressed, and I appreciate your question. Uh, it's a hard place. It's a place that I think foremost requires courage. Courage to trust Christ and his sovereignty in your life and to trust him with your wife. Because whether you're talking about your wife or yourself, or your kids, or your in-laws. The problem is the same. It's a worship issue. It's a heart issue. And it's God who changes that. And so there's going to be aspects of that that you're going to have to simply trust God with. Because you can't change your wife. Because you can't transform her. But living out of our identity, as Dave was talking about, our identity as those who have been redeemed and who belong to Christ. The Lord says to us through Paul in Colossians, he says, as those who have been chosen of God, holy and beloved, put on a heart of compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience, bearing with one another, and forgiving each other who has a complaint against anyone, just as the Lord forgave you, so also should you. Beyond all these things, put on love, which is the perfect bond of unity. And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called in one body, and be thankful. And let the word of Christ richly dwell within you with all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another with psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs, singing with thankfulness in your hearts to God. Whatever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus giving thanks through him to God the Father. 
So I'd say you're going to have to trust Christ with your own life and to persevere in leading those she's unwilling to follow. And you're going to have to trust Christ with her life, knowing that he's the one who transforms hearts. He's the one who saves. He's the one who restores that which is broken within us, that worship problem we have. And then in your trust in Christ, clothe yourself in Christ-likeness as you walk with your wife. He is patient with you. He perseveres. So persevere, be patient, forgive, continue to lead. Be patient with her, love her. I think, Mike, there's a lie in this too that if you're not careful as a man you can buy into that will be really destructive and that is uh, that if we do the right things then everything will go well with our families. And I see it as much as in this situation you've described as it is with our kids. Um, there's, there's dads that just are phenomenal dads that I model whose kids have not done well as they've reached adulthood. And I think that uh, the lie is, if we do everything right, then, then this is formulaic process will unfold, where people have to be responsible for their own sin. And so I think be careful not to get into the trap of condemnation in that role. And I think also, much like Jesus loves his church, we're, we're lovingly confrontational. I've, I, the, the flip side of that response is I've seen men just totally give up confronting their wives anymore. We have a uh, a gentleman that we've dealt with recently that we just love who won't confront his wife on issues that are truly obstinate and that are rebellious, but he just, in other words, so really what he's doing is he's worshiping his wife and Jesus is the idol that if, you know, I want to get closer with Jesus so that I can please my wife. And so it's going to challenge you at the heart level of, am I here to please my wife or am I going to be pleased in Christ? Is my identity going to be as the guy whose family is totally intact and perfect or am I going to rest in that? But I think... I think based on scripture, you can be expectant that God works, that God desires to save, that God desires to transform, and he works through households, he works through families. And I think that's what establishes your patience on really bad days. It's a great question. Um, yeah, those are great answers. And yeah, just to build on it, I, I think even as Dave so, um, said so truthfully and profoundly earlier, that we can even make Jesus an idol. Uh, and, and a lot of times when people, um, they can make the main goal, what they desire most is, I want a happy Christian marriage or a marriage that, that functions the way it should. And we can make that our main goal rather than what should be the main goal of God. So whether I eat or drink or whatever I do, help me to do it for the glory of God. The main goal is the glory of God. And even if my wife is being rebellious, God, help me not to respond sinfully. I can still glorify you. And, and a passage that came to mind was about Paul saying, I want to participate in the sufferings of Christ. And sadly, you may, or this person may be getting a sense of what it's like to continue to glorify God even when you're suffering and, and things aren't working out the way you want it to. And saying, God, how can I continue to respond to this situation in a God-glorifying way? If this person claims to be a Christian, then I would say, you know, you, you've probably already done the Matthew 18 meeting with her and kind of trying to get her to, to a place of, of repentance. If she still won't listen, then maybe bring in along one or two other Christian uh, sisters or Christian couples who will 
try to speak into this into her life as well. And, and if the person claims to be a believer, if they're not, they're an unbeliever. Uh, you know, keep on. Lo- yeah, if they're in the- yeah. By trying to make the marriage work and trying to salvage the mm-hmm. marriage, we ourselves are being brought down to mm-hmm. where because we are not perfect, mm-hmm. we start worshiping the same idols. Mm-hmm. Is there a point that you have to say no? Uh, the, 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 the first thing I would do is I would do like Jesus says in the Sermon on the Mount and say, Lord, first show me my own log. How have I maybe contributed this? Where am I missing something? Or asking some other Christian brothers or pa- pastor to speak into your life and saying, am I missing something here where I'm contributing this? And where's the idolatry in my heart? Um, now, I don't think God gives like, you know, um, we just see kind of really two instances in Scripture for biblical divorce and that I see biblically, and that's adultery, where it's not uh, mandated, but permitted. Um, I've seen God restore marriages where adultery has taken place to the glory of God, where it's absolutely transformed. And when the unbeliever departs, but the believer is not to depart, and saying, God, um, give me the grace to persevere here, you know. And, 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 and seeing the gospel in that, looking at like 1 Corinthians 13, of the way God loves us, that love is patient, and it's kind, and it perseveres, it never fails, and never goes. And realizing, God, the way my wife is acting, that's how I've responded to you as well. I was spiritually dead. I was an object of wrath, and you didn't turn your back on me. You continued to love me, like, and you loved me and pursued me in the gospel. Here's my opportunity to love my wife. I can't do it in my own strength. Help me, Jesus, daily, moment by moment. I can only do it by your spirit. Help me, Lord. Here's a, here's a text that speaks directly to that question. That's, again, a good question. In what Daniel said, 1 Corinthians seven twelve says, To the rest I say, I, not the Lord, that if any brother has a wife who is an unbeliever and she consents to live with him, he should not divorce her. If any woman has a husband who is an unbeliever and he consents to live with her, she should not divorce him. For the unbelieving husband is made holy because of his wife, and the unbelieving wife is made holy because of her husband. Otherwise, your children would be unclean, but as it is, they are holy. But if the unbelieving partner separates, let it be so. In such cases, the brother or sister is not enslaved. God has called you to peace. And then here's, a, here's something for you single folks to think through. Wife, how do you know whether you will save your husband? Husband, how do you know whether you will save your wife? Good question. Good question. We'll close with that. Just uh, 